So as we continue the series, The Broken, uh, we're, we're today in chapter 6, moving right along, aren't we? And I think you can guess how this chapter starts without even looking at the screen. What would you say? How would you think it starts? For those of you that read ahead, that's fine. You can holler at the answer. How do you think? I'll just read it. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Is that like a broken record? Honestly, when I write it out, I check it. I'm like, is it really start like that? Every chapter. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian for how long? Seven years. Verse 2. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops... The Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them and they would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance in Israel, no sheep, no ox, no donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents and they would come like locusts in number both they and their camels could not be counted. So what, 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 what are we getting at here? It's a lot of them. It's a lot of them. So that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought where? Very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for? Is that how you yell out help? Help, 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 I'm drowning. No, help! From the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a what? A prophet. Sent a word. (laughs) You don't know why that's funny yet, but I'm laughing. To the people. Now, the people of Israel, right? Here's what's going on. They're doing whatever they wanted, and it wasn't all good, was it? God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. We see that in the cycle. You can figure out where later, where it is. These super bad guys, they come in, they take their food, they take their livestock. They are not nice. It even said they're like a swarm of locusts devouring everything in sight. You have that picture in your mind? They didn't plant it. They didn't farm it. They didn't raise it. They didn't feed it. Yet they come in and they eat it. Like that guy in college that was on your group work team. You did all the work and he gets the grade. You know that guy? I was that guy. (laughs) I love group work. Thank you. Israel didn't like it, so what did they holler out for? Thank you. How do you say it? Ayuda. Help. Does the Lord hear your cry when you cry for help? Absolutely. There's one thing you can take away from the book of Judges is that he hears his children when they are in trouble. He knows their voice and they know his. Help! So God sent a word. Now, this is why I think it's funny. We need help. God sends a preacher. Thanks. The Midianites are taking everything. We need a warrior. And you sent a speaker. Great gets better. 
And he said to them, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all that oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. You ever notice this with God? This is going to be on the screen. God constantly reminds you of who he is and who you are. Do you ever notice that? I know you know that, but do you ever wonder why? Why is God constantly reminding me who I am and who he is? I mean, look at their situation. We've read the first several verses here. We're going to do a little quiz on the first uh, 10 verses of Judges 6. Look at their situation. Study it hard. What is their biggest issue right now? What is Israel's biggest issue? You have five seconds and you're going to holler out your answer. You ready? Do you see me get down to one? What is it? They don't remember who they are. Their biggest issue is not Midian. Their biggest issue is their memory. That's their biggest issue. They were asking for deliverance, but God says, I'm actually, before we do the deliverance part, I need, to, I need to work on your heart. I need to start where your biggest issue is. So he starts with a sermon. I mean, any of you in that category, maybe right now, you're like, man, I need deliverance or I need something from God. I need the Holy Spirit to move mighty in my life. Can we just get some hands up or a foot or something? Give me something, gang. And you're seeking something from God, but what God wants to do first is turn the spotlight on your heart. That's where he starts, like all the time with me. First, I need to remind you of who you are. Maybe you came in and and you want to find deliverance for something or you want to get something from God. Made a little list of maybe, maybe something we want. Maybe some of you in here want a new job. Anybody in here want a new job? I'd just like it to be cooler in here. Maybe some of you in here, you want a girlfriend. Maybe that's what you're praying for. Anybody praying for that? Raise your hand. Maybe somebody will see it. Yeah, that went weird. How about this? Maybe some of you, you know, it's the end of the first quarter. You need a raise. Anybody want a raise? I'll take a raise. Why not? Maybe I'll maybe write some letters for me or something. I don't know. Maybe uh, you need to break a sin cycle. Anybody need to break a sin cycle? Yeah, thank you. Hey, we're all family. Let's raise our hands. Maybe you need to break a sin cycle. You got something you just can't get over. And God wants to deliver you from those things. You know that, right? He doesn't want to see you in that. I'm not sure about the girlfriend thing, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't want you to be in a cycle of sin. I'm pretty sure he wants you to be blessed to be a blessing, but he first wants to turn the spotlight directly on your heart. That's why he sent a word before he sent a deliverer. And we hear that and we think, huh, my issue might be bigger than those things that I just listed. My issue might be my memory that I don't remember who I am. And we hear that and we think, oh, great, oh, great. This is going to be one of those sermons. This is going to be one of those sermons where God really puts me in my place. He reminds me who I am. He reminds me of who he is. Has God ever put anybody in here in their place? Man, I have. Whoo! I'm telling you, can I just say that when God puts you in your place, it is one of the greatest things that will ever happen to you in your life because you remember who you are. 
and you remember who he is. And that when you truly understand your place with God is when you truly begin to enjoy God because you know who he is. So let me tell you something. This is amazing the way this works out. I I have preached this chapter of Judges. I tried to figure it out today. I think 15 times in my life. I don't know why I keep coming back to it. I'm not like Gideon, not like I don't have any life verses that are Gideon. It just keeps coming back to this. I preached it at Montgomeryville here in October of 2021, youth group in 2022. We did a prayer and praise on this chapter. I'm going to Keystone North next week. Going to preach this. They let me preach the same thing I preached this week. I'm really glad it worked out like that. (laughs) Don't tell them, all right? Here's why. Here's why I think God keeps bringing me back to this chapter of all the chapters in the Bible is that I need to be constantly reminded of who God is and who I am. I need to be put in my place a lot. Anybody here need to be put in their place? For me, it all comes down to this. Who does God say that I am? Who does God say that I am? And will I believe him? Do you know who you are? You probably know your name. Do you know who you are? Or are you trying to be someone else? I found the enemy loves to put me in my place as well. You ever get put in your place by the enemy? Or maybe a, a person from the enemy? They are the ones that tell you who you are. They're the ones that tell you uh, your name. They're the ones that want to argue with you about who God says you are. You, you ever feel that? You ever feel the lie from, from the others? You know, God doesn't lie to you. Maybe, maybe it isn't even the enemy speaking to you directly. Maybe it just comes from all these people that we share the earth with. They get in the way sometimes, don't they? <laughs> they all want to tell you who you are. You ever get told who you are? Have you ever allowed other people to tell you who you are over the years? That's why we constantly forget. That's why God constantly has to tell us, that's not who you are. This is who you are. You're a child of God. But we kind of allow it, don't we? It's like those, hello, my name is stickers. I think the last time I preached here, I even had some of those stickers up here. I don't know. I must have lost them. I didn't bring it today. But like every time somebody gives you a name, they stick it on you, don't you? And sometimes we have trouble unsticking it. Sometimes we get really comfy with it. In fact, I want to do a little rethink with you right here, right? What what I'd like to ask you to do is think about this. What is that name that was stuck on you that you never took off? You just go ahead and think about it. Not long, like five, six seconds. What is that little, maybe it was negative, maybe it was positive, I don't know. But it was a little tag that just boop, got popped on you at some point in your life and you never took it off. I'll give you some examples while you're thinking. Maybe somebody called you stupid. And you stuck that on. Or somebody called you lazy. You stuck that on. Or somebody called you irresponsible or immature and you just stuck it on what name did you stick on and never take off think about it for a few seconds now I want you to take that name whatever it was you take it to God you take it directly to the Lord 
and you ask him, what do you think about that name? That Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's why we called this series The Broken. Maybe that's the tag somebody stuck on you. You're broken. You're right. God can make me whole. God finds me when I'm broken and he makes me not just something a little bit better. He makes me something completely new. And oftentimes with believers, with Jesus' followers, he, he, he has to put me first in my place so that I can remember who I am and who he is. And so that name, that's not you. You know what I found out? Because I've done this a couple times, 15 times, right? I, when I preach through this, I'll say, man, I think some of the names that have been stuck on me over the years, do you know who stuck them there? I did. I'm the one that stuck them there. In fact, I'll tell you a few of them because I I think it's important for you to know this. Uh, Through most of my high school and most of my college life, which I was in college forever, I just kept getting degrees. I don't know. I think it made me feel smart for some reason. I I put this tag on myself. You're going to potentially think this isn't that bad. Normal. I want to be normal. Some of you are questioning that. Like, really? That's the direction you went? Missed that one. Normal. Here's why. Here's why. I stuck it on myself, right? I was a believer. I was a Jesus follower. I had been born again. I had been baptized. We got baptisms today. That's why you keep hearing this thing turn on. We want it nice and warm for them when they get in there. Uh, in fact, if somebody could go over there and turn that off, it's super distracting. Uh, like, it, it's, I wanted to be normal, but I kept it secret. That's how I wanted to be normal. I didn't want to be weird. I didn't want to be Jesus weird. I wanted to be normal. And so I did that. I tried to be normal. I got a few degrees and I got a job as a professor. Normal. That's what people do. I worked at a university in North Carolina. Not UNC, though thank you for thinking that. But uh, not there. And that's good, right? This is normal. People get jobs. People do. It's normal. And I believe that was the path. In fact, I even expanded my little name tag. I said, you know what? I want to be likable professor guy who's just trying to be normal. That's what I wanted to be. You say, well, that didn't really seem that negative. Here's why it's negative. That wasn't the name God gave me. God didn't want me to do normal. And there's nothing wrong if that's your career path. It was that I was trying to normalize my life. Back to Judges. Because they said, we need help. God said, here's a preacher. They said, oh, great, thanks. In Judges 6, 11, we get to meet him. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abirazite, while his son, who? Gideon, was beating out the wheat in the winepress. Why was he doing that in the winepress? He was hiding from the Midianites. Anyone here ever thresh wheat? Me neither. So here is why this is so interesting. It makes a big mess. You would not do this in closed quarters. This would be like if you had a vacuum cleaner and you had to empty it and you decided to do it on your bed. You know, like just bad place to do that. 
You don't do that like that. And I've done that thing with the vacuum cleaner. So why was Gideon doing that? He was doing it because he was afraid. He's afraid of the Midianites. And I can see why. So he might say like, hey, his name tag that he has stuck on him isn't Gideon. It's hello, my name is afraid. Hello, my name is coward. Hello, my name is the hider. (laughs) I do my work inside because I don't want the Midianites to catch me doing it. Great. This is who God is sending. God sends a preacher and he's hiding in the basement canning vegetables. That's the deliverer. God is about to put him in his place. Read it. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see, if we were watching this, if this was a movie and we were watching it, everybody would laugh at that part. Because the guy is hiding in the wine. He's in the closet canning vegetables. And the angel shows up and says, Almighty warrior. And he's like, not me, man. Got the wrong guy. Wine press two doors down. I've seen that guy working out sometimes. That's where you need to go. He doesn't look like a mighty warrior. And when God calls us, catch this, he doesn't see us or define us by the names that we've been sticking on ourselves or living our life with. He calls us based upon where he is taking us. Oh, mighty warrior, what was the name that you had stuck on you? Catch this. He isn't waiting for you to fix that before he calls you. He's not. I'm convinced that God wants to give you a new name. Will you let him? Or do you say, no, I got enough names that I'm trying to deal with, right? Will you, will you let him put you in your place? I told you it could be one of the greatest experiences of your life. God is putting you in your place for a purpose. Are you ready for it? No, you're not. You're going to do it anyway. Next verse. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours. And save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. God gave him a new name and immediately a new purpose. Now, if you're Gideon and and you are afraid, coward, hider, better at running away, uh, weak, you know, you've been that your whole life. You're not like exactly going to charge the hill immediately, are you? Probably not. He didn't either. You're going to argue with God a little bit. I argued with God when he called me out of this normal awesome though job that i had i was like i don't know i think you might have missed it i think you meant the guy two doors down but he gives you a new name and he says please lord how can i save israel how can i save israel behold my my clan is the weakest in manasseh and i am the least in my father's house you know what he's saying i am on the worst team And I'm the worst player on the worst team. I don't ever get picked. I'm the last one drafted, and it's only because they feel bad. How can I save Israel? You got to be joking. The Lord, through the angel, says, But I will be with you. You shall strike the Midianites. As one man. Please underline, if you haven't already, I will be with you. I will be with you. And after some interesting back and forth, it's fascinating, you should read it later, but we get to the first thing that God wants him to do as he is with him. You ready? You think, you think, you think God's going to slow walk him into this? Has God ever slow walked you into anything that he's called you to? He hasn't for me. 
He says, here's what I want you to do. Pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. You ready? This is, this is the spotlight on the heart part. This is the reminding him of who he is part. Uh, pull down the altar of Baal that your father has. Basically, he's saying, I know I keep stopping at the same pot, but this is just so rich. Defeat, you, you cannot defeat Midian until you first destroy the idols of your heart. That's what he's saying. I hope you catch that. Build an altar to the Lord on top of the stronghold there. Are you catching what's going on? I need you to go out and tear down the idols that the whole village, the whole town, the one your dad put up, I need you to tear down the altar of Baal. Before you can defeat the Midianites, you have to first destroy the altars in your heart. You got to remember who you are. And so Gideon in verse 27 took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord had told him. But because he was too afraid of his family and the men of the town to do it by day, he did it by night. Hilarious. Again, I don't blame him one bit. He took 10 guys at night. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. Let's wait till sundown, fellas. <laughs> they all go to bed around 9. So at 10, we move. Let's synchronize our watches. Of course, they had sundials, so it's hard to do it at night. I don't know. The next day, everybody wakes up. They see what happened. The general consensus is this. I boiled it down to this. Gideon did this. Let's kill Gideon. But Joash, that's his dad, Gideon's dad, stood or said to all who stood against him, if Baal really is a god, let him contend for himself. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called... Rubael. That is to say, let Baal defend himself. Now, for those of you that have heard this 14 times, you know what Jerubel means, don't you? It means, literally, Baal wrangler. Baal killer. One who fights Baal. One who contends with Baal. And there I just remind you here, in one day, God put Gideon in his place and gave him a new name and a new purpose. And he went from yesterday being a little cowardly guy hiding in the wine press, threshing out the wheat, to now he is Baal Wrangler. That is incredible. It's as if the angel of the Lord might have known what was going to happen tomorrow when he said, Oh, mighty man of valor. Not me. I'm the worst player on the worst team. Second day, that's Baal Wrangler over there. He tore down Baal. A lot can change in a day when God puts us in our place. Will I let him? I told you, when God, when God leads us into that, it can be one of the greatest experiences of your life. In fact, it can lead to freedom and deliverance and obedience because obedience to God is good when he calls you to something, we want to say, yes, yes, yes. And what follows is an amazing story. It is an amazing story about how God gets the glory and how Gideon leads a small army to defeat the Midianites. And I know that's a spoiler and that's next week. But like, man, it's just so good. It's so good because he took this new name and this new purpose and he puts it into action. And eventually we'll see him. You'll see it next week. He throws... He overthrows the bad guy. Amen, hallelujah. Because when God calls us, he doesn't see us or define us by the names that we have been living with. He calls us based upon where he is taking you. So what was the name that you had stuck on you? Do you remember it? 
What are you going to do with that name? God can give you a new name. New purpose. Back to Judges, right? I want to quickly summarize this. Verse 33. Uh, the Midianites, they launch a massive assault on Israel. Isn't that great? Like just like right before the big battle. They're like, you know what, let's go, let's go get our donkeys and oxen. At which point the angel of the Lord of God appears again to Gideon and tells him to mount a resistance. Go. This is it for Gideon, right? This is charge the hill time. You think he's ready? You think Gideon's ready? Not quite. Not quite. And the next part of this uh, verse is, is often abused by us Christians. You'll see why and how it can do it. It's often misspoken of, including myself. I've, I've done things like this, but here's the basics of it. Gideon says, okay, God, so far so good. The Baal thing, I got a new name. It's cool around town. They're calling me Baal Wrangler and stuff. But now this is totally different. Like I was fighting like pieces of wood. That's a little bit easier. You know, that's than, than like the Midianites. They're a lot bigger. They got better stuff. They're got a history of, you know, whooping us. Like, I'm not sure that I'm ready for this. I'm not sure, even though you put me in my place, you get where I'm going here? So what he does is he formulates a test. He says, I'm going to put out this animal skin. Uh, it's often called what? A fleece, right? Not the Patagonia-like fleece. Zip up. But, you know, if you need to think about it like that, that's fine. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put this on the ground. And if you're really with me in the morning, let the ground around it be dry and let the fleece be wet. You catching what he's doing? And so he goes out the next morning like it was Christmas, and he looks at it, and guess what? Fleece was wet. And you know Gideon was like, yeah, woo, let's do it. He puts his hand up in the air, and Mjolnir, and then Storm, right, comes in the other hand, and he's like, the Avengers, no, that isn't at all what happens. That isn't at all what happens. You would think that's what happens, but that's not what happens. And here's why. Old names are hard to overcome. Old names are hard to overcome, but we have a very patient God who loves us. And so even though this is he's three, four days into this, God is again going to remind him of who he is. So he's like, okay, second day, Gideon said, that was too easy. I feel like it would have been wet anyway. So what I really meant to say, you catching where Gideon's going here, was let the fleece be dry and let everything around it be wet. Make sense? And then maybe, just maybe, right after that, Gideon gets the worst news of his life. Because <laughs> in verse 40, it says, God did so that night, and it was dry on the fleece only, and on the ground there was dew. And Gideon said, my translation, well, darn. I guess we're going to war, which you will have next week. God put him in his place and gave him a purpose. He even tested him on it. He even reminded him over and over and over, like, this is who you are. Can I just ask you a scale of 1 to 10, maybe, and it's super arbitrary. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being, I know exactly who I am. I am a child of God. That song we sang, it's written about me. The one, negative one. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. On a scale of 1 to 10, what is your memory like? You need to be put in your place. Are you listening to the enemy too much? 
Are you, are you hearing things that like, God told me to do this, but that just doesn't make any sense. I'm not that. I've said this twice already. When God calls us, he doesn't see us or define us by the names we've been living with. He calls us based upon where he is taking us. So here are some key observations on our, our buddy Gideon that I think applies to our church and I think it applies to your life even today, especially based maybe on that little name you wrote down a few moments ago. Living with thinking that that is who you are. What do I do when God puts me in my place? You ready? I got, I think, three things. Let me check. Oh, was it matter? Yeah, three. First thing I do when God puts me in my place. This is your pastor speaking. This is what I do. You ready? I believe him. I believe him. God hardly ever starts. Maybe historically he does sometimes. I don't know. But at least with me, he hardly ever starts with where I have been. He didn't with Gideon. He starts with where he is taking you. Will you believe that that when God puts you in your place, he also gives you a purpose? Maybe it's something like this, and you didn't expect this, right? Maybe it's something like this. You're going to lead a CG. And you might say, well, God, I I try to be the first one to leave when we do a CG. I'm not going to lead a CG. Maybe he says this, you're going to give away more money this year than you've ever given away in your life. And you're like, well, God, I don't even have enough money to put pepperoni on a pizza. It's like, like, are you sure? I think you got the wrong guy. You hear where this is going? Or do you believe the enemy when they tell you your place? The enemy often starts with the reason you can't do it. I don't even like when people start with that with me. Like when I got like something big we're going to do, and people are like, well, I don't think we can do that because of this. I'm like, maybe that's true, but let's not start with that. Good grief. Give me a second to come to that conclusion myself, you know. <laughs> the enemy says this to you. And maybe you just a second ago, you're like, huh, that's weird. I have been thinking about starting a CG. And here's what the enemy says, something like this. You don't even like to have people at your house to have dinner with just you. You think you can have a bunch of people over? Makes you think you can have a, a successful CG. Community group. Makes you think you can do that. You know what the enemy is like? You're right. You're like, you're talking with the enemy sometimes for that conversation. You're like, guess what? He's right. I don't. But God wouldn't come at you like that. God would come at you like this. You're going to fall in love with opening your home to other people. That's how he comes to you. The angel of the Lord says, you are going to love people so much that you don't care about your couch. I don't mean you got to let kids jump on your couch and destroy your stuff. I ain't saying that. I'm just saying, like, it is going to happen. And you're like, I think you got the wrong guy. Not me. See the difference? You put him in, you put you in your place, you believe it. Right now, I know this is going on in some of your heads. You're waiting on God to give you all you need before you obey. You ever do that? You ever say something like this? I wrote out a sample prayer that I may or may not have prayed. God, show me the provision and I will obey. Mm. Sounds like a good worship song. God, show me how you're going to do it and all the steps to get there and then I'll do it. (laughs) Grant, write that down before I forget it. (laughs) How about this? God, show me how this will work. I'll do it. Can I just say, wrong order? wrong order he says you you obey and i'll show you the provision 
You step out of the boat, then you'll walk on water. I don't think uh, I don't think when Peter got out of the boat, it was like getting into a cold pool. I don't think he was like, "Ooh, let me just let me just test that. Let me just tell. I don't know. It's going down a little bit, but maybe it goes down a little bit. I don't know. I've never done this. I don't think he did that, man. In my mind, it was like diving board. You know, he bounced on his chest. I want God to put me in my place. So I'm going to believe him when he does. Second, adjust your heart. Probably should have started with that one because I think that's where he often starts. What was God's first assignment for Gideon? Charge the hill or adjust your heart? I read this. Before you can do battle with the enemies around you, you need to throw off the enemies within you. It's good. I'll read it again. I didn't come up with it. I wish I did. Before you can do battle with the enemies around you, you need to throw off the enemies within you. And I know some of you are like, well, lucky me, I don't have idols. (laughs) I don't have, you know, I don't have that in my life. Let me just summarize this for you. An idol is anything that you put your trust, your hope, your faith in other than God. That's an idol. Anybody have any of those? Believe him and adjust your heart. Spend this week tearing down idols. Who knows? Maybe you'll be a bell wrangler. So we got believe him, adjust your heart. Third, trust in what Jesus has done. Trust in what Jesus has done. I want to end where the chapter does, the whole wet fleece stuff. You probably thought I forgot about that. I, I did not. The litmus test for is this really God telling me to do this. God, God asked, or excuse me, Gideon asked God to prove he was with him by making a fleece wet and then the ground was dry. And then he was like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I got it back. You know, and, and I probably said it out of order, but here's what he's not doing. It's, 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 it's always wrong, right? He's not saying this. It's, it's just wrong. It's wrong to ask for confirmation. It is not wrong to ask for confirmation. In fact, I think sometimes we chase information and not confirmation. I think it's good to seek scripture and counseling and, and do I know the voice of the shepherd? Is, am I really being asked to do this? But here's the takeaway. Gideon knew what he was doing was unwise. He knew that he shouldn't be doing that. He even says it. He basically, in verse 39, he says, God, don't be, don't be mad at me for asking you know, to do the fleece thing. Don't be mad at me. But what is he testing? What is Gideon testing? I don't think he's testing that God really wants him to do this or not. I think he understood the assignment. I don't think that's what he's testing. I think this is very important. I think here he's saying, God, hear me. God, how do I know that you're really on my side? I think that's what he's testing. How do I know that you're really in control? I know what you want me to go do. I see that. Mount a return against the Midianites. That part is obvious to him and everybody else. What he's testing is, Are you really on my side? Do you ever do that? Do we have a little litmus test to see, God, are you really in control of this? And and I don't think that we have the fleece. I think we have something better than the fleece to test God to see. And you're not supposed to test God, so hear me out. You'll you'll get what I mean in a second. I think we know exactly whether or not God is on our side because we have the greatest fleece that ever lived. We have the cross. We have Jesus. Jesus is the answer to whether or not God is on my side. 
It says in Romans 5, but God shows his love for us that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. So I don't need to throw a fleece out. I know the answer. Jesus is on my side. I'm on his side. God took the place that I was supposed to be in. He took my death and put it on the cross. So when he calls me to something, I don't need to come up with a fancy tea leaf or, oh, I don't know, the, the ace of spades didn't turn over where it was supposed to. Or, oh, if I, if I hear a car honk its horn four times at 2 a.m. and the squirrel makes it across the fence a whole way without falling, then I'll know. I don't need to look at that. I need to just look at the cross and say, Jesus is on my side because he died for me. That's how I know. And I don't need to ever, ever, ever doubt that. So will I allow God to put me in my place right now? Will I make the decision to say the cross is more than a test, it's my place? If I don't believe in that, then I'll forever be miserable. Some of you, you're a Jesus follower. You follow him, but you've forgotten your place and you're caught up with all those names wondering who you are. It's ready right now to put you in your place. In fact, let's just pray that right now. Just ask him, Father, who do you say that I am? What name do you have for me? What purpose is in store for me in this name? He tells you, believe him. believe what he's showing you going to maybe take some time old names are hard to get over maybe he's asking you to do something man I love being asked to do things don't you maybe he's asking you to stop something be obedient you're praying through the hear believe obey aspect of that I want to talk to those of you that are here online like I'm not following Jesus I'm just living for the world and they're telling me who I am I know getting glimpses that's not the right way but guess what God's ready to put you in your place too and it'll be the most wonderful thing you've ever experienced in your life God takes you and he makes you something completely read it again. It says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, while we were still rebels, Christ died for us. He took my place. He died for me. And here's the great news. The Bible says, if I confess that with my mouth, if I admit that I sin and confess it and ask forgiveness from Jesus, he will forgive me. that's you right now, whether you're online or here with us at the, at the church, the building, I would ask you to pray this with me right now. You say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came in humility for me. You died for me. You were buried in a grave for me. You rose again for me. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. You are my God. From this day forward, I will follow you. Amen. He's calling us all to something.
will you 